Welcome to Write Stuff Radio, where we showcase Christian authors worldwide. Each week, join me for a new author and a great new book to add to your library. Welcome to The Right Stuff. I'm the Queen Parker J. Thank you so much for joining me. Today, we are going to be talking to my guest co-host and contributor today, Tamara Kraft. She is a debut author, just released her first book, Legends of the Valdeshi, book one, Genesis. And if you like dragons and speculative fiction and all that kind of stuff, this book is for you. So make sure you go ahead, love on my sister and pick up your copy today. I'm so excited to be talking to her, and we're going to talk to her in just a few moments. I want to thank our Patreon team for their support. We have been showcasing Christian authors for the past nine years, and as God gives us grace, we'll continue to do so. To find out how you can help out, simply go to patreon.com slash stuff and see what you can do. And as always, we covet your prayers. And so without further ado, Tamara, how are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to be here with us today. I never take it lightly when we do have our guests. We want to definitely thank Peter Younghausen from Perspective by Peter for being with us and connecting us. So thank you, Peter, so much. So I am new to you as an author and a reader, and I want our listeners to know more about you. So go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I've always been a writer since I was very young. I probably started writing when I was about eight years old. I was homeschooled, so my parents allowed me to have a lot of creative outlets for that. And my dad is actually a published author, so he helped me learn a lot about like what a good writer is, like what what makes a good book. Um, he's not really in fantasy, but I kind of found that niche by myself. Um, but I wrote this particular book back in 2013 when I did NaNoWriMo. Um, so I wrote it in a month. And then I kind of, it's evolved over the years. And I finally, with the, the encouragement of others and the, the feeling the push from God, um, released it last year. And it's doing pretty well. Um, but yeah, I've always loved fantasy. I like uh, other genres as well, but fantasy is my main one. Fantasy is such a good genre because it really opens your imagination to what if. And that's all fantasy is. What if a starship traveled to the edge of the galaxy? What if dragons were born inside a human body? What if? So there's a lot of things you can do with speculative fiction that so many authors of speculative fiction love. And is your father Kevin Kraft? Mm-hmm. He is. Oh my gosh. Well, guess what? Tell dad he has to contact me because he has to be on this show, especially if I'm talking to the daughter. I have to talk to the dad. I mean, he's the one who helped build and craft this thing inside of you called an author. So we definitely have to give him a shout out on the show as well. So definitely let him know. I would love to talk to him, too, at some point, hopefully this year or next year. When you got into fantasy, what was that book that really led you into it? Um, for me, it was actually the book Aragon, which I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with. Um, but I really kind of, like, 
really felt with that story because he wrote it when he was uh, 15, and I believe he was also homeschooled as well. Um, but just the world that he created, um, all the inheritance, inheritance cycle books were very um, interesting to me. I gradually just kind of went to other books too, but that's the one that sticks out the most to me. And of course, like The Chronicles of Narnia, um, Lord of the Rings, but I think Aragon was probably the one that really encouraged me to kind of go into speculative fiction particularly. Aragon was that wonder that no one saw coming because so many publishers would not take his book on. And then he said, you know what, I'm going to keep pushing and keep pushing. And it lets you know, and I've said this before on the show, you're never too young or too old to begin your dream. So if that story is in your heart, go ahead and write it. Now, you may mention that you were homeschooled. And I love hearing that because so many people have this misperception that homeschool children don't really exist in the real world. They're just cocooned with their mom and dad and siblings. They don't interact with people outside. They're in fishbowls. They never watch TV or do anything. So how would you like to just break off veil when it comes to homeschooling? I feel like the ones that are like, who are always like, you never leave the house. Like, you never see the sun. Like those are the bad homeschoolers. Like those are the ones that make us look bad. But the majority of homeschoolers, it's just a really good way for kind of form that bond between the parent and the child because the parent's in charge of the child's education, which is what has happened historically for many, many years. Um, but it also just allows a more unique um, learning experience for the child. Like for me, I was really good at English, so I was actually able to move up a couple of grades and be challenged. And my parents found things to challenge me and also to encourage me in my interests, strictly like writing. And I work as a vet tech, but with animals, science particularly, it's just a more cohesive education that challenges you. And then when I went to college, it was actually super easy because they also taught us to learn as well and to exist. And we do leave our house too, because we, we know how to interact with everyone of all ages, as opposed to just people our own ages. So I really love homeschooling. Um, I greatly encourage parents to do that. I want to homeschool my own kids one day. But it really does allow a lot of growth, a lot of maturity, and just a lot of having, being your own person kind of thing, as opposed to being kind of meshed into a, like a one-size-fits-all kind of education. So I've always appreciated it for that reason. And I like when you said that you were able to communicate with people outside of your age bracket because I was at church and there was a young boy. He must have been about six or seven years old. Mm -hmm. And he was just sitting there and I was sitting there and he looked at me. Would you talk to me, please? <laughs> and I said, well, hello, sweetie. How are you? Because I didn't know if he wanted to talk to me or not. I didn't. And mm -hmm. I had a great conversation. He showed me his games or whatever. So yeah, I was like, I'm sold on homeschool right now. And right now with so many people being worried about the conditions of public education, safety, homeschooling is definitely growing as an alternative for parents. One young lady I spoke to said their homeschool association doubled in the last year. So they're like, no, I don't even have to have those type of problems if I don't have to. So <laughs> I definitely want to give a shout out to the homeschoolers out there. We love and appreciate you for taking the time out to raise your kids the way that you feel God has you raised them. Not that we want to knock those who can't for what I'm getting from other homeschoolers, do the best that you can. When did you know that you wanted to be a writer? Um, I feel like it was when I was really young. I've always, I've always loved watching movies and reading books in general. Like I've always, like as a child, like my mom had to put restrictions on how long I could read because I would just be in my room all day reading. So with that, there are some stories in particular that I didn't like how they were done. Like I didn't like how they ended. And even like with the Aragon movie, which was not a great representation of the book, 
I'm like, how would I do this better? And to that, I kind of created my own fantasy world. I'm like, oh, fantasy, you can do whatever you want. You can create your own language. You can create your own place, your own your races of being. And with that, because I had a good imagination, I'm like, let me just do that. Let me create my own thing. Um, and that existed up into adulthood where I'm just like, I like creating my own world and not having any rules that I have to stick to. Like, I make the rules of what happens in this world. And there just weren't that many great options, particularly for Christians or someone who just wanted a clean, wholesome fantasy. So I'm like, I will, I see a need. I'm going to fill the need. I'm going to write things that I would want to read as a person in my 20s because there aren't many great options that I can find. So I just wanted to do that. And I felt like God was pushing me to do that. I really enjoy doing it as well. Just creating adventures and characters that I fall in love with that I hope other people do as well. And that's kind of how it began. I like how you said that you wanted to write the books that weren't out there. So things that you can read. And fantasy does have that saturation of unclean content and unwholesome things, simply because of the nature of the world building sometimes. And so it was a challenge for you to create that world for yourself, particularly if you're a new adult, because you're in a new adult category, I guess. And you want the fantasy that you can read that doesn't, you know, burn your eyes. (laughs) So I totally get that. So having said all that, when did you know that this book was going to be the one that you were going to publish? Because you said before you started recording that you have always written and you alluded to that now. But when do you say, you know what, I'm going to put this out there for the world to consume? Well, okay, so there's a choice. I had had options. There's a sci-fi like novelette that I wrote a long time ago that... I will probably one day publish. It just didn't seem the right time because sci-fi was, there's a lot of sci-fi books. I was trying to go for something that wasn't super, super saturated because I also wanted to write like superhero stuff as well. I like superheroes, but of course that's being kind of done to death right now. Um, so I was like, what would be the best received that I see the greatest need for? And this was one that I've worked on the longest and the characters that I knew the most. And after talking to people who had read my books, they encouraged me to release this one. So I will one day release the others, but I'm like, this one is the best. It's like, this is what the world needs kind of right now. Like, this is what I need right now. This is one that I want to work on that I'm having the most fun with. So that's kind of how I chose it. Um, but yeah, so far it's been received well, and it's, it seems to be the best one. So obviously you made the right decision. So that's good. <laughs> Thank you there. That's totally awesome. So I'm really excited to talk about Legends of Valdeshi. And so one of the things I like to talk about is your writing process. And I ask this question because people who may be wanting to write but don't know how to do that, they may get inspiration from your process. So go ahead and share your process with us. How I begin with the book is that there's specifically a character that I like a lot. And sometimes I find a story that that character would fit in. Um, or sometimes I find a situation that I would just like to write around. In this case, this particular um, character, Caden, uh, one of the main characters in The Legends of Zelda, she was a character that I had actually written for another book. But I was like, I don't really like the book that he's in. Let me adapt. Let me find a good story that he would fit into. And then gradually, like, I call Kate Dragons. I got fantasy. Like, he'd be good in a fantasy world. And I create the other characters around him. And then the plot. And then that, like, kind of took off by itself. The way I write, I don't do outlines. Some people do outlines. They don't really work for me because I don't like rules. And I feel like I'm just stuck to that particular outline, um, which is a true, but that's kind of how I go. So I just start writing um, from the beginning, typically. I usually write it chronologically. Occasionally, though, if I'm, there's a scene that I'm really, really, really looking forward to or one that's just on my mind, I'll write that one, and then I'll just write all the stuff in between to kind of mesh everything together. When I write, like, I don't care about spelling or anything, like, anything like that. Like, I'll make it make sense later. I just want to get the story on the page, and then I'll go back and edit. But that's kind of how usually I start, either with a character or a particular plot point. So 
so you mentioned that you don't like outlines. Neither do I. I hate plotting. I have, over the course of my writing career, changed it somewhat where I do research more to kind of get the ideas I want to have expressed, expressed well. But as far as outlining, I hate doing that. <laughs> I feel like you, if I'm stuck to the rules, I'm stuck to the rules. I can't be free to do it. But then you meet some authors who are very good at outlining and plotting, and they get that book done as well. So kudos to them. I always love that question, whether you're a pantser or a plotter. I love that question. And like some people say, plotter, and other people say, I'm a planter. <laughs> so yeah, I totally love that. Now, one thing we have to talk about, because I thought for sure you're going to say this when you were answering my question, but I thought maybe some of your stuff was inspired by anime too, because we both like anime, and we both like K-drama. Do you think some of that Eastern flair is in your book as well? I would say probably, um, especially with Caden, um, just with his appearance per se, I always like how anime characters look, and I like I like an anime, a good anime plot. I like a good journey. Like, you know, like Demon Slayer, Fairy Tales. Like, there's a journey. There's a, there's a, we got to go on this thing to get to this thing. It's, it's always a great time. Um, so I guess in that way, it probably did influence me. I didn't get into anime until I was actually in college. So when I turned 18 was when I started getting into that kind of anime. So it may not have inspired it as much as I think, just because I started writing long before I got into anime. But I think it's definitely helped and inspired some things just because of how they put their stories together in a unique way probably did influence my later adult writing. Anime tends to be quest-oriented, so I definitely understand where you're coming from. You go on these really interesting long journeys, you have these arcs, you meet interesting people, you fight battles, you make new powers, you fall, you're weak. It's a constant journey of mm-hmm. helping the character, or rather the protagonist, grow into his or hers grander story. So I totally get you there. Now we've gotten a little bit behind the scenes of who you are as a person. Now let's get into this book called Legends of Valdeshi, of the Valdeshi. And that is available on Amazon.com or wherever books are sold. Make sure you go ahead, love of my sister, and get it today. So go ahead with as little spoilers as possible. Tell us about Legends of the Valdeshi. It's set in the world where there is a half-elfish prince. He's half-elf, half-human. Um, and then there's a human princess in her kingdom. They're both kind of figuring out their places in their own kingdoms because Caden, the half-elvish prince, is kind of figuring out where he fits in with being only half-elf in a elvish kingdom. And then the girl's trying to have, figure out where she's going because she doesn't really necessarily go along with how her people normally treat um, dragons, which is the other main species in this world. Um, but basically... The two of them and two um, orphan dragon cubs are kind of pushed together when they find out that they may be the answer to a prophecy of long ago about uh, three kind of dragon pairs, so rider and dragon, um, coming together to defeat an incoming black magic threat. And when that threat kind of starts to rise, they are kind of forced to take a look at themselves and what their places in their world and realize that they may be part of a bigger plan that they have no idea what all that involves. So there's a new threat, black magic, there's a lot of adventure, there's a lot of friendship, there's a lot of growth, um, both spiritual and um, just kind of mentally them going against all these things against them. So kind of a good adventure, a good quest um, meant for all ages, but kind of geared more towards young adults to anyone, basically. A lot of people who are old adults, really young adults. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm not really a fan of young adult. I've tried to be, but it gets a little too angsty for me, like I've said before on the show. Uh-huh. And it's like, I can't read you. You're too angsty. I'm like, if you really want to have a problem, get a job. <laughs> Pay the mortgage. <laughs> but 
and I hate it. Everyone knows how much I hated Twilight. I hated Twilight, okay? Oh, and I hate Twilight, it too so much. And I grew up with vampires, okay? I grew up when vampires were evil. And so when I read that book and he was sparkling, I was just done. <laughs> I was done. I've never read anything past the first book, and I never saw anything past the movie. Because sometimes when they translate the book into a movie, they may have a different dynamic than when you read the book. So, yeah, I totally feel you there. So let's talk about some of these characters here, because you have this uh, mixed uh, ethnicity going on here. I really like the way you incorporated how the main characters have mixed blood, mixed ethnicities, how you want to say it. So are you using that, those particular attributes of your characters in a way to make social commentary? I mean, maybe in a way, in a subtle way, because I do see, like, something I've always seen is, like, people who are mixed. Well, I'm not really mixed ethnicity. I'm just just a person. I just consider myself a person. But some people do have um, problems falling into, or they feel like they have to stick stick to a particular rule or aspect of them, a specific ethnicity. And in this case, um, Caden, the one who's half-elf, half-human, he's living with elves, and Sometimes he feels the pressure to be a specific way that elves are expected to act, but he just wants to act like himself, which is basically a combination of both human and elf, like with emotions and everything else. But he's respectful of both sides. He does feel the pull to choose one. And in that way, sometimes people in you know the real world do feel that way. If you're you know, African-American, you're expected to act a specific way, or if you're white, you're expected to act this specific way. And sometimes I think the problem is that people are just people. They're individuals. They have their own interests. They have, they're going to act the way they want to act because that's just who they are. I think breaking down the rules of a specific ethnicity is important. So it's kind of my subtle way of saying, like, hey, just let people be people. It doesn't really matter, like, what their skin tone is or what they look like. They're just going to be themselves and don't make them stick to the rules that you think the stereotypes are. Speaking of stereotypes, we have discussed how there are a lot of African-American authors who write different things, but the perception, generally speaking, has been that African-Americans only want to write in, let's say, urban or something Mm -hmm. like that. Or I've heard African-Americans don't read. I've heard African-Americans don't like to write. Only one or two African-Americans know how to write. And these are things I've heard over the course of my career as I've been a writer. With your book, you break the mode of being an African-American writing scientific elves and dragons and humans, okay? So we need this type of fiction, but why do you think we need to have more African-Americans who want to write in speculative fiction, particularly in Christian speculative fiction, because that gets even narrower as far as like what the perception is. How can you, what you're doing, help that to become more the norm? Well, my intention is always, of course, to write and my, my work it was meant to honor, you know, God and the gifts that he has given me and to kind of communicate that to both the Christian audience and the non-Christian audience, because really anyone can read this book. Um, but when it comes specifically from that angle, I do like to encourage people, because I think there is a stereotype. Like you said, African-Americans don't really write books, or if they do, they write in a very specific genre. Um, but when I meet people and they're like, oh, you write something else. I'm like, yes, because anyone can write in this. So I kind of want it to encourage people that if you want to write, you're not, you're not, you're not entitled to just specifically write in one specific genre. You can write whatever you want to write. It doesn't matter what your skin color is or where you come from. If you like romance, write romance. If you like fantasy, write fantasy. I don't, I think there are some molds and some stereotypes that do need to be broken um, over specific things in those list. Anyone can do anything, basically. Writing is for everyone. It's not meant for a specific ethnic group. So hopefully with my book, uh, people will see that you can write something that can be 
fun. A quest that kind of involves everyone. It doesn't seem to have to have African-American characters in it. It can have everyone. You aren't meant to stick to a specific plan for your book. It's just write whatever's on your heart. And particularly if God's involved, then write whatever God has for you. Don't let people's stereotypes stop you from doing what God wants you to do. And I'm so glad you're picking up the banner for that as well. So really, that's why when I saw your book, I was really happy to read it because I know there are a lot of African-American writers out there who write speculative fiction, but they may not see that representation within the Christian realm. And let's not, let's be frank, within the Christian arena, speculative fiction has been the redheaded stepchild for so Mm -hmm. long. And I think they're starting to see that as a alternative to more of the spicy speculative fiction and the sexualized speculative fiction like Westworld, Game of Thrones. They're getting on the bandwagon. Let's say, hey, let's create our own fantastical world that have certain concepts that are Christian or Christian influenced. So, yeah, I totally get where you're coming from there. Now, let's go back to your characters here, because this is the fun part of being a writer. Mm-hmm. What character that you love to hate and the character you hate to love? Bizarre, who is Caden's half-brother. Like, I feel like he's the character that I, like, love to hate, but I also really like him, too, because he is kind of meant to antagonize Caden to a point, because he's the one pushing him, saying, like, you should stick to this elfish thing, you shouldn't do this, because you're mostly elfish, stop basically acting like a human being. Um, but with that, it creates, the way I wrote him, just kind of, he kind of wrote himself, like, the way he came out was so good, I'm like, I love to hate you, but at the same point, I'm glad you're here. Um, and the one that I hate to love, originally, when I wrote the character Xerxes, um, who is Varian's brother, so the human princess, her brother, the prince, um, he was meant to be more of an antagonistic kind of thing, so he wasn't meant to be a good character. Um, so originally, I had the intention of making him unlikable. But then I really, really like his character. And I'm like, okay, he's better as a good, maybe he's better as a good person. Like, I almost, like, I don't want to make him bad kind of thing. I don't want to give too much away. But, like, I hate to make him a bad character because I really like him. So, in that way, I would say Zar is probably the one that I love to hate. And Xerxes is the one I hate to love, which is hard to choose. But that's probably the ones I choose. It's like asking a parent, which of your children do you like the most? Uh-huh. <laughs> That'd be so cruel to say, well, I like your brother better than you. <laughs> so, so I want to give our listeners a chance to hear an excerpt from Legends of the Fidelity. Go ahead and share that with us. You can set up what's going on and then go ahead and read. So this excerpt is from Chapter 2. Um, it is introducing the character of Caden, who is the um, half-elvish, half-human character, and it's just kind of set up where we first meet him. Okay. Chapter 2, Tenkut Castle. Caden narrowed his eyes at the ancient willow tree before him. It was located near the center of the water garden, the pool only a few yards away. He raced towards the tree and jumped, kicking off the tree, gracefully soared through the air, diving into the deep pond at the center of the garden. He briefly allowed himself to sink into the clear pool, observing a small assortment of colorful fish around him. He sensed they felt no fear from him, as this was not the first time he had stressed them. Well, that guy was better, was much better than last time, Caden thought. He let himself float to the top. He swam back to the edge of the pond, hoisting himself up on the edge. His staff that he carried everywhere was propped against a nearby limestone column, its blade pointing in the sunlight. The water gardens of the Tencut Castle were well known. This was one of the more secluded of the four rings around the castle. Trees overhung the garden, casting patterns over the water. The garden surrounded the pool with a series of bridges built over it so that the gardeners could tend various water lilies and herbs grown there. Caden preferred to use this particular garden as his secret hideaway, where he practiced with his staff, leaping from column to column to improve his grace and balance. 
being as he was not naturally gifted in those areas like his elvish kinfolk, it was something he chose to improve on in private. The sweet scent of the flowers tickled the inside of Caden's nose as a soft breeze blew through the water garden. The soft lap of the water lapping at the edges of the pool added to the tranquility of the scene. The sound of the garden gates opening made Caden jump quickly to hide behind the tree dominating the middle of the garden. There, he listened to soft footfalls entered the park. I know you're here, Caden. Caden went to the sound of his stepmother, Queen Ioran's stern voice. He walked, he walked around the edge of the podium until he was face to face with the queen. Hello, mother, Caden said respectfully, using the correct invitations. Queen Ioran was regarded as one of the most beautiful queens to ever rule sway. Her skin was the color of ivory, and she was tall and lithe. The queen reminded Caden of a delicate but strong water lily, much like the ones that grew around the garden. Her gown flowed around her as she ascended the water garden steps. The sun shone on the red gems that, gems that adorned her pointed ears. Caden looked at his own reflection in the water inside. Despite the fact that his father was King Wolverat, a notable warrior with, his, with handsome yet strong features, his mother was merely a human who had died giving birth to him. Because of his mixed heritage, Caden was slightly shorter than the most elves. Six foot one and a half, but his bulkier than others. His muscles were more defined, and his face was not as angular as other male elves. His features were strong and broad, unlike the typical elvish features, which were soft and less pronounced. Caden's elvish large eyes were a dark purple that none of his people had ever displayed. Usually, elves grew their hair long, but Caden chose to wear his white hair shorter. His hair was unruly and usually stuck up in spikes. He had ivory skin, but his appearances still took many elves by surprise when first meeting him. He had a red post in each ear, denoting his status as a prince. Caden, what did you do to Badar's ceremonial tunic? Ireland asked in a weary voice. I don't know what you're speaking of, Mother, Caden said with a straight face. Someone took your brother's tunic and hid it, Ireland said sternly. I believe that someone is you. Caden twirled his staff as he looked innocently as his stepmother. I can help Badar look for his tunic. Where is the illustrious high prince? In his chamber, along with the king. Aaron said resigned, and Caden, yes, mother, dropped the false innocence. Caden smiled and followed Ioran across the bridges and out the gates. Lush grass brushed against their boots as they walked up the overgrown path, birds sang in the trees overhead. Your skills are improving, Ioran noted. You wield the staff as an extension of your body. Father taught me. I've been watching guard as well. Caden breathed in as the breeze ruffled his hair. The ten-cut guard stood to attention as they approached the castle's double doors. Queen Ioran. Prince Caden. Ioran gave them a, both a regal nod as they passed the doors. Go to your father and brother immediately. They have important news. And that is an excerpt from Legends of the Valdeshi Genesis Book 1, available on Amazon.com or wherever books are sold. So make sure you go ahead, love on my sister, and get your copy of it today. Particularly if you love dragons, elves, humans, and all that good stuff, you're definitely going to enjoy this story. And she really has a unique spin on these elements here, and I know you are going to love it, so make sure you pick up your copy of Legends of the Valdeshi today. Now, we know this is part of a series, so when can we expect the second book? Um, the goal, currently, and what I'm wearing, currently working on, um, is to have it out this winter, so maybe November, December, but it doesn't work, so I'm currently working on it. It's coming together. I had a brief moment of panic where I had writer's block, and I, thankfully, we've overcome that, so we're doing well. We're back on schedule, so it should be out this winter. Now, how many books do you have planned for the series? Um, the goal is to, this will, this particular series will be a trilogy. Um, I do have some ideas I'd like to turn into a graphic novel one day, and I'll see you know, get an audio book going. Um, but 
this uh, will be a trilogy. It has been wonderful having you with us today, Tamara. Really enjoyed the conversation. In the few moments that we have left, go ahead and share with us how we can get in contact with you. Yeah, so um, Tamara E. Craft at Weebly.com is my website. You can also find me, Tamara E. Craft, author on Facebook and Instagram as well. Um, I'm also on Goodreads and Booksy as well. And then, yeah, that's pretty much it. Those are my main ones. The main ones I use a lot are Instagram and Facebook. Of course, updates on the website, which you can subscribe to a newsletter where you can get the news before everyone else does and kind of get some insight and some extra fun stuff in there. This show is always about encouraging authors whom God has given the gift to write to pick up a pen and do so. Go ahead and encourage them out there today. Um, kind of talking about like what I was talking about earlier, if God has put a story on your heart that you want to share, that you feel like is a God-given story, um, don't let anyone stop you. Just write it and just, just get it on paper. Find people to kind of gather around you, a good community to encourage you to improve your craft. Um, encouragement is something that's been great in my life, um, particularly with my dad encouraging me and finding other fellow authors. But one thing is that, like I said, don't let stereotypes, don't let people's expectations of what you should write be what you actually write. Make sure that whatever you're putting out there is something that is, you know, God breathes, that you feel comfortable with, it's something that you can be proud of, something that you would want to read. That's the most important thing. If you can enjoy it and you're writing with the intention of just inspiring others and giving people good entertainment, you know, God-given entertainment, then I would say just do it. Just start writing and find community. Tamara, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for being with us on the show today. And I cannot wait to have you back and have you back real soon. Awesome. Thank you for having me. It's been really fun. And today we were talking to Tamara Kraft. She is the author of the book, Legends of the Valdeshi, book one, Genesis. Go ahead and pick up your copy today on Amazon.com or wherever books are sold. One thing I love about what she said when she was encouraging you, my aspiring author, is to write the story that's in you. If it's God-breathed, God-born, then go ahead and write it. Don't try to be like anyone else. Just simply be yourself. So go ahead, pick up and write stuff. Thank you so much for joining me for this edition of The Right Stuff. I'm the Queen Parker J, and you have a wonderful, absolutely glorious, blessed day.